Hello, and welcome to the sixth episode of the LTOW podcast. The podcast where your boys, LTNOW, laugh and talk about our world. And on today's episode of the LTOW podcast, uh, we thought we'd talk about travel. Because we all know we haven't traveled very much recently, and I feel like everybody kind of wants to, so we kind of thought we would um, just talk about traveling and get sad. Reminisce a little bit. Enjoy. I mean, the fact, like, the fact is it's been, like, almost, like, it's coming up on a year and a half here since my trip to Japan. It doesn't feel like it's been that long. And so it's just kind of crazy. Yeah, I, I don't know when my last trip was. Um, last big trip was to Europe. Uh-huh. Um, I mean, I guess we take a number of, like, little... Oh, I guess my last trip was not that long ago uh-huh. it was like thanksgiving to excuse me to chicago um but like last time we like went to a destination that wasn't like you know just to see my sister you know what i mean like right I, right right quite a while ago no i i agree i mean obviously i went skiing so i i'm not too starved of, of right but like we're adventure. talking like but like cool places with with different cultures and, and it doesn't like, even have to be like out of country but if it's like going to a place you've never been before i exactly. think that's kind of the distinction exactly because like i've been to chicago many times and like you've been skiing many times right. even if you weren't at this place yeah and and so you know just to experience something new like for the first time yeah but um so, yeah so uh just uh to be clear uh i mentioned this in the last episode but it was quite a ways in and the last episode did have audio difficulties, so I, I wouldn't blame you if you didn't listen to the entire thing. Um, but we are uh, um, just recording this two days after um, our, our last podcast episode, and I think we have plans to record another episode directly after this one. So uh, just because Lucas is going back to college, and that'll be stressful and difficult, and right. um, the virtual podcasts are difficult, so we, we just thought we'd... Uh, crank out a couple while we're here um but we'll we'll put just as much effort and you know whatever into them but we won't be able to touch that much on stuff going on we're gonna miss the inauguration yeah uh, which will be unfortunate but reactions to that and other stuff but um yeah this is just two days after so i don't think there's all that much that we've missed but how are you anything going on um i have had an experience unlike any other Oh, yeah? You know, it's kind of notorious uh, how bad customer service is, especially with, like, big corporations or whatever. But I had my first experience today. So my dad, as soon as I turned 18, was like, you should freeze your credit score. And I said, why? That seems like a kind of weird thing to do. And he explained to me that it's beneficial because then – um, cause really the only time you get your ch- credit checked is for big things like, like car purchases or, uh, loans from your house. And, yeah. I barely even know what that means. Uh, I mean, I, I do. It's but jargon, it's, but yeah. yeah. And so basically it, what it does is it prevents like, like unnecessary checking of your credit score by uh, like people that really don't need to look at it. And, um, and it prevents like people stealing your identity and stuff, your social security number. So my dad recommended this to me, and I was like, all right, sure, I'll do it. And then I procrastinated it for over a year. And so, you know, today rolls around, and I see the paper sitting there, and my parents have been kind of hounding me to do it. And I'm like, you know what? All right, sure. 
I'll do it. I'll be a little adventurous. I'll try something out. And I, um, so there's three main credit companies, you know, that deal with credit score and stuff. Okay. And the first one on the list for me was Equifax. Okay. And so what I did was I, I call them up, right? And it, same automated bullshit. Mm-hmm. You call up, they're like, hey, why are you calling? And so I go through this whole process. Yeah, you put in. I put in my social security number and they're like, hmm, turns out we can't identify you. So you're going to need to go to our website. And I'm like, great, awesome. So then what happens is uh, I go to the website. I log in and they're like, oh, oops, we can't verify you. You'll have to call customer service. <laughs> and I went, what? You're getting sent on an And now here's the loop. thing. The, the number that was on the thing was different than the number they mm. provided me. So I was under the, I, I like a fucking dumbass presumed that i would get a different experience i go in it's the same automated fucking jackass and he's like hey what are you here for like same thing as last time bud and so i go through the whole process and they're like oh mm, it looks like we can't verify you you're gonna have to go to our website we sent you a link via your via your text message you sure you weren't doing anything wrong i was not doing anything wrong and so i was livid and so uh, to vent out my anger I look up, I Google, I just throw in the search bar, fuck you, Equifax, and search it. And the top article, this was hilarious, came up, I clicked on it, and it was from the San Francisco Weekly, like a like a uh, news article. And it said, everybody working at Equifax should be, should be murdered at sunrise tomorrow. And I was like, what the fuck is this? And so apparently this was bad, there was a massive... Um, like there was a massive breach in security oh, yeah. at Equifax a couple of years ago, and like fifty five percent of American adults lost their social security number. They were like eligible to be stolen, and the CEOs of Equifax right before this broke sold all their stocks in Equifax to to benefit from the collapse. So basically, the so CEOs, insider trading, insider trading, and the CEOs benefited from it from this whole scandal, right. and so. This guy was basically saying, now, obviously, I am not a fan of capital punishment, but there are 10,000 people working in Equifax that need to be put down. <laughs> and I went, <laughs> and I went, oh, God, this guy's kind of crazy. But uh, anyway, that's my little tangent of the day, is that I had this experience that, w- that wasted half an hour of my life and just left me angry. So you didn't freeze your... No, I didn't. I gave up after the first one. Like, this is what number one's going to be like. The other two are just going to be pain in the ass. My dad's like, hmm... Maybe it's because you haven't really done anything with your credit. Yeah. And I went, yeah, okay. Yeah, so, I just I just have a debit card. I haven't used yeah. some credit. Some people, like like Rachel's smart, and she has a credit card, and I just haven't given enough of a crap to yeah. get one. Wow. So, but yeah. That was a nice angry Tandy tangent. That was a Tandy tangent. I feel like, yeah. You don't go on that many wild tangents, but... When you get really into a, a tangent, it can, uh, I can turn go into on, a Tandy tangent. I could go into Eddie. T- like, one time, Timmy the poor bastard, was we were on a walk, Eddie, and I got thinking about how they closed the theater door. Oh, yeah. That, and, that drove you crazy. And I got so angry. Do you want to calmly explain to our audience Impossible. What, what happened? Impossible. <laughs> it will only end in death threats. <laughs> Speaking of this incident, I was thinking of, of a moment. Did you do this thing? Just out of curiosity. When uh, teachers would walk in through the theater door and you'd sort of meander up and be yeah, like, hey, Mr. Myrold, how's oh, it going? Yeah, lots of times it was a person I didn't know. Yeah. And it was just, I was on my long track to like the the financial like computer right. wing door and i 
like, of course it's on my way. And if I catch a teacher walking up, I'm like, oh, of course they're going to go through the theater doors because they understand that it's brutally cold outside and that no one deserves to be out in the cold. So then I, I stick with them, just kind of awkwardly walk behind them. And most times they just kind of let me in. They hold the door open for me because they understand that it's stupid. Um, but every now and then you get you get one of those teachers that's like, you're not allowed. And then she- sends you around. Um, maybe we should explain, though, for uh, people who don't know. Um So at Central, our high school, um, basically in the midst of all this, you know, uh, like school shooting and violence and uh, everything going on, just I guess in our country, um, there's just been like a huge um, emphasis placed on security uh, that we didn't really have before. So it was something like the, what is it, Lucas, like the interior well we got something like we got we got surveyed by the department of homeland security oh department those of, that's fucking is, pretentious uh, ja- yeah. i'm sorry i'm getting angry no but we yeah we got uh our school basically got told that you know we weren't doing the safest protocols from the department of homeland security and what it amounted in was that every door in the morning used to be open or like at least like most of the main most doors. of the major doors uh, and they were open in the morning so that when you got to school, you didn't have to go in through one door um, because it gets really cold in the winter. Um, and basically they uh, they decided to lock all the doors except two. Uh, one was the front door and then one was on the other side. Um, but the problem is where we always parked was the parking ramp because that's the easiest place to park and where most of the students parked. And neither the front door nor the um, other door that was open was anywhere near the parking ramp. And... There'd be mornings where it was like below zero. The sun hadn't come up yet and like wind chill. Uh, and, you know, kids in our grade especially like never used their lockers and didn't get to school in time to use their lockers because it's just so pointless. Um, like, did you ever use your locker? I used my locker the first quarter of freshman year for football stuff. Yeah. Never since the then. The first quarter of freshman year, I was like, okay, I got to memorize my uh, locker combo. I got to know where it is. I could not tell you where my locker was any year besides the first. I have no idea where it was senior year. Didn't even bother going to look for it. Right, yeah, no, exactly. So I think a lot of times kids would not even wear, like, a full coat and, like, no gloves because gloves and a hat, like, that's kind of, like, getting, like, a lot of stuff you're bringing in the morning that, like, you can't just kind of carry around with you. Gloves, hat, jacket. Yeah. Yeah, I mean. And, And we'd freeze our cheeks off and, um... Of course, then the the sense of outrage came from the fact that teachers were allowed to, like, unlock the door themselves and key in uh, to the theater door, which was very close to the parking ramp and was convenient. Um, And none of the students were allowed to for whatever reason. Um, So we would have to, you know, watch these teachers who are freezing walk in and we'd have to endure more... Trek the extra and, like yeah. two minutes to the doors that would let us in. Maybe not two minutes, but I mean, I would like say from minutes. my car to one of the entrances was two minutes. Yeah, but it was like thirty seconds to the theater door. Or something yeah, like exactly. That. It was it was significantly less, and not to call the Department of Homeland Security a bunch of incompetent fucking douchebags. No, but it should never have been. It was like one of those. Wasn't that the one that was invented after 9-11 that kind of yes. doesn't do anything? It just doesn't. It's, it's, it's fucking, That's what's it called? part of like the... It's like placebo bullshit. 
it's like, hey, look at all these things we're putting in place that don't do anything and don't mean anything. Oh, it's like like theater. What's it called? Uh, there's like a, it's like an expression. It's like, um, it's like what the TSA does when when they don't really do a whole lot. It's like oh, I I'm not sure. Um, it's like safety theater or something. It's like a bunch of theatrical uh, yeah, bullshit that really doesn't do anything. It doesn't stop anything. Yeah. Um, but um, wh- one thing that in particular that pissed me off is we would get done with, like, like it would be super cold. Mm-hmm. Like it would be you know negative thirty. And they'd be like, oh, well, you know, the two minutes that the kids have to walk, they they would undoubtedly develop frostbite. So for one day... Oh, yeah, they put it in, would, like, the paper. Yeah, exactly. Or something. There was, like... Yeah, there was research on it, and there was, like, um, this is very unsafe to be making these kids walk longer distances without proper, you know... Um, gloves, hat, and stuff. And then I think the school told us to wear gloves and hats and stuff, and then kids didn't... Um, and of course, that was only on like the extremelyest cold days. I don't know if extremelyest is a word, but we'll make it a word. Uh, and like with a terrible wind as well, and like sometimes snow. But yeah, continue. And so, what would happen is, like on these really, really cold days, they'd be like, you know what, guys? Since we're such a fucking awesome school, since we're so cool and we care about our kids so goddamn much, we'll open the theater door for one day only. One day, and then we'd all go in. It'd be holy. We'd all be like praising Jesus. That. I remember. Mm-hmm. I remember very well. And then, anyway, to summarize this story, this bitch, she was a para. I, I actually took an hour of my day and sifted through all of the staff pictures in that yearbook that we got mm-hmm. to find her so I could call her out by name on this podcast. Okay, what's her name? I don't know. <laughs> okay. I, she's so generic looking. She's an old brown-haired shit that's a para at GFC. If you know who it is and you know who you are, if you're listening to this podcast, <laughs> yeah, okay. if this is the case, I will fight you. This is this is an open. If you want, I will be at the flagpole at three o'clock, every day waiting for you, and we will fist fight. What happened was it was like a really cold day, and I clearly didn't have hats or gloves. So then I saw her coming in, and I did my usual like Lucas Tandy awkward charisma thing, where I go up to her like, "Hey, wow, look at you got a lot of stuff. Let me op- help you with the door or whatever." Oh, okay. You know something that most you know teachers or people like are like chuckling. They're like, "All right." He's got it. He's got this. He's got this going for him. I'll try. I'll, I'll pity yeah, him. Got yeah, a little, yeah. little pity point, and and this bitch was like, "No, you go around." I said, "Why?" She's like, "Well, you're not allowed in this way." I'm like, "Great, why?" And she didn't have an answer for me, so I was like, "Okay, great." So then she just walked in, and I just I just started standing there. I waited for the next person to come. There were a couple of people crossing the street, clearly like a couple teachers. And then she has the aw-fucking-dacity to come <laughs> back out the door and tell me, no, you go around. And it is snowing. It's f- snowing. Okay? And so I was like, why? And she's like, you need to go around. This bitch was just doing a power move. It's Stanford Prison Experiment. <laughs> it is Stanford Prison Experiment textbook. Yeah, it, I mean, it really is. I mean, I think... You're a little overly dramatic about it, but yeah, it, it is. It's there the, have been times I, I've gone and I never, you know, maybe I should have, you know, rebelled in the in the face of power. But when 
a couple times I tried to get let in and then a teacher was like, oh, you're not allowed in. I would just kind of roll my eyes and then, you know, walk away. I would never really confront and say and say why. Maybe I should have, but um, yeah. I was baffled. I went to Mr. Allen's physics class afterwards and was so angry. I issue, I told I told Mr. Allen I said it's only a matter of time before the students find out that the student to faculty ratio is like 10 to 1 and we overthrow this <laughs> bitch and we bring it down to its knees. This bitch is going to be freaking demolished and it'll be by my goddamn hand. I was so angry. Yeah. She Yeah, I know you've brought it up quite a bit. She betrayed her sacred oath to uphold the protection and safety of students because she's a selfish whore bitch. I'm sorry for the language, but she sleeps around, I'm sure of it. I she's probably like 60. Lucas, it seems like you're lashing out with sexist language. Are you it's okay? not sexist. She just it's not <laughs> Oh yeah, it, okay, it's not sexist. It's not it's not important. What's important <laughs> is that she's a bitch and I will f- gladly fight her as soon as I find I will identify her and I will destroy her. Okay. That's my tangent. Happy little start to our travel podcast right. episode. Segwaying fluidly. That was to a travel. that was a tandy. What, what do they call it? An Tan- angry angry tandy tangent. Yes, an angry tandy tangent. I told you. I told you. Say I that five times fast. Angry tandy tangent. 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 Oh, not bad. I feel like better than I could do. It was pretty rough. It was. It took a lot of focus. Angry Tandy Tangent, Angry Tandy Tangent, Angry Tandy Tangent, Angry Tandy Tangent, Angry Tandy Tangent. You were going faster than I was trying to. I was trying to just whip it out because I thought if I just whipped it out, people would be like, dang, he just whipped it out. Um, but most people are pretty ashamed when I whip it out. Yeah, all right. Um, anyway, uh, do you want to get into travel? Is there anything else going on? No, Um, not right now. I'm good. Speaking of of things that occurred, it's let it off your chest. I feel like. We'll have an episode where we, you know, just vent. I don't know. I, I, I can do why. that. Maybe, you know what? Maybe, no. I feel like next episode's a little too soon for that. Right. Because that, We've that would be... have given them too yeah. much of a dose already. Yeah. We'll, we'll take a little break, and then we'll get back to some kind of things that make our blood boil. Um, But yeah, uh, travel. So, we're both a big fan of travel. Of course. Um, of course. And so, how many countries have you been to, Lucas? Ooh, I think actually I've only been to four. I've only been to four countries, okay, including and, the United and States. And that would be that would United States, Canada, Vietnam, Japan. Yes, I haven't even been to Mexico. Yeah, I haven't either. So. You have, okay, that makes you feel a little no, bit better. No, I also have not gone to that many countries. And I, of course this is very, I mean, I feel like we sound kind of privileged because lots of people haven't even like left the country. Um, or at least maybe, you know, no more than Canada. Uh, so I'm very... Uh, lucky and enjoy traveling of course, a lot and I'm glad I got to leave the country. Um, but yeah, there are a lot of countries out there and it kind of seems like Ford, you know, is, is small compared to that. So I think we both have, you know, mm-hmm. plans later in life to travel quite a bit. Um, let's see. I've done United States, Canada, uh, France, Italy, Czech Republic. Okay. And I, th- I think that's it for me. So I think five. Five okay. countries. So, you, so you've topped me. Congrats. Yeah. I guess I, I one-upped you. Um, yeah, because I guess the first time I, like, actually left the country besides Canada, because um, well, how up, far away is the Canadian border? Up here in the border? north, 
we consider Canada just like eh. Cause it's, it's, well, how far away is it? Like an hour and a half? It's an hour and a half to two hours away. Yeah. An hour and a half to two hours, you can be in Canada. Yeah. So, it, like, us going to Canada is, like, so unimpressive. You know, I actually haven't done it that many times, but it's, well, like, easy I. to do, you know? Like, any at any point, well, non-COVID related, I could be like, yo, let's go to Canada for the weekend. And we could just do it impulsively. Yeah. Actually, when I was down in Kansas... And they, everyone that I talked to was really, like, baffled that going to Canada was just, like, so impressive like, or so casual. Yeah. Because, like, they'd be like, have you been to Canada? And I'm like, yeah. Huh? Why? Really? I'm surprised by that. Because, like, if they knew you were from North Dakota, like. Right. Because the thing is, if I heard someone from Texas say, like, oh, yeah, I've been down to Mexico all the time, I, w- I would not be surprised. Yeah, I don't Maybe know. it's Kansas syndrome when you're in the center of the country. Yeah, you're just far away from anything. Yeah. Yeah. But I don't know. They were. They seemed to be like baffled by the idea that that Canada was just two hours away from me and I could go whenever I want. But yeah. So no. Um. So did you? You went to Europe before your French trip, didn't you? Yeah. It was. It was weird timing because I think it was kind of in the back of our minds that I was gonna do that French trip. Um. With the school, but I, it wasn't like worked out exactly yet, and we had planned this trip so. I feel like a lot of trips have to do because of my sister <laughs> and somehow. Um, but Juliet, she studied abroad and did this like uh, Shakespeare in Prague thing. So that's Prague uh, in the Czech Republic. Right. I kept wanting to call it Czechoslovakia and I, apparently that's not a country anymore. Yeah, exactly. The Czech, Czechoslovakia turned into the Czech Republic after they went through their little uh, edgy communist phase. <laughs> <laughs> their teen commie phase it's not a phase mom but it was like, it was a phase i i think it's interesting that like if somebody told me that the czech republic or like czechoslovakia was still like a place uh even though we have not been alive in a time that czechoslovakia is a i'd be like yeah, yeah exactly i'd be like oh yeah czechoslovakia it's somewhere in the balkans yeah yeah it's like somewhere over there yeah i i really need to get better at my geography because geography is interesting i mean it's kind of boring when you're just like thinking about where do things go on the map i think it's just one of those skills that you should have though like i feel like i should know where stuff is I like, feel like it I'm makes not... i, I kind of feel like an idiot sometimes because i'll hear a country and i'm like yeah exactly i that? think i think i can do I, I think you're say, better than me. You're you're definitely better than me. Yeah, I mean, I I would say, um, in general, like in terms of where I know where, like, do you know where Laos is? Yeah. No, I I mean, like, obviously in the area by Vietnam, I'm pretty pretty familiar with down like Southeast Asia. Yeah. Once you get into like the little countries, that's in like, like Europe, Asia, Middle East. Like that little oh, yeah. triangle like, over like, there. Like b- the Balkans, right. dude, yeah. Africa is... Whew. I mean, yeah. I know some of the border areas, yeah. but once again, the It middle. took me like uh, a million different times to figure out where Israel actually was. <laughs> and I know Israel is like an important place. People talk about Israel-Palestine all the time. It's an issue. You know, it's something I should know. But like it took me a long time to figure out where it was. Everyone's like, really? West Bank, you know, like now I kind of get... I get it now. But Good. It took a lot of work, though. Yeah. Like, I don't know. It's little, and it's kind of confusing over exactly. there. Exactly. Um, anyway, but uh, we went to Prague um, uh-huh. in the Czech Republic. So the idea was then, like, 
we were kind of just using it as an excuse. So this was the summer of, oh God. Um, so I went to France the summer, summer after, after sophomore, sophomore year. year, right? Yep. Because then. I remember distinctly because I was back. Right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I went to uh, France the summer after my sophomore year, which means I went on this trip the summer after my freshman year. Um, so we just kind of used it as an excuse. So what we did is once we were in Prague, my, my mom always does this thing. I don't know exactly why she does it, but she does it no matter what we're talking about countries or like in America, whenever she's looking at anything like trip related, she's, she always does this thing where she's like, Oh, and you know, once you're there, it's really not that far from here. So like for an example, um, my, my parents still have this really close group of friends that they all met, that they met in graduate school. Yeah. Um, after college so we're they're still close with them so what we do is like every summer typically and of course now people live everywhere we live in north dakota we have people in missouri we have people in you know michigan tons of people across the country so we kind of convene in a central spot which is quite a quite a few hours from everyone normally we do this like kind of over fourth of july um and we all like you know rent a house and share them anyway Basically, we did it in, like, Illinois one time. It was, like, in Galena, Illinois. Uh, at least I'm pretty sure it was this year. And then my mom was like, oh, oh, you know what? Once you're in Galena, it's really not that far from Pittsburgh. And, of course, that's not true. It's really far from Pittsburgh. <laughs> but, you know, in my family, we're a Pittsburgh Pirates fans. Right. Um, because of me. Because I'm a baseball kid. Um, so... Yeah, we turned it into this thing where we, like, left a bit early from the reunion and got all the way, drove all the way to, like, Pittsburgh and <laughs> saw a Pirates game in Pittsburgh, went to PNC Park and did some other stuff. So, anyway, it was kind of similar for this thing. Instead of just going to Prague, it was like my mom was like, oh, well, once you're... And this makes more sense than that, honestly, because it's like right. once you're already on a trip and you're in Europe. So, you my mom was like, well oh, once you're in Prague, it's really just not far from Italy. <laughs> so, then we... We did this like basically two week long. We were in Prague for like three days at the beginning and then I'm going to mess up the order, but then we went to Italy and we did, um, Venice. I think that was our first stop was Venice. And then we did, um, uh, something called the Cinque Terre, which not many people know about. It means, it means the five lands, you know, in Italian, uh, Uh five islands basically. And it's this really cool, I couldn't even tell you where in Italy, sorry, um, but it's this really cool, like, on the sea, um, these, like, five, basically, islands that are, like, connected by, like, this strip of land, but it's, like, these, like, chunks, basically, yeah. um, of land, and it's not super touristy, which is kind of incredible, um, but it's really, really pretty, and it's really nice, and it's, like, each, you know, kind of land mass is kind of connected by, like, a hiking hill you can use, and okay. there's, like, a train that goes between them. Uh, we mostly stayed in like the fourth one along the row. Yeah. And it was called Vernazza. And that was honestly, that tied with Venice were my two favorite things from, oh, that, really? from that trip. Yeah. I loved Venice a lot. Um, but that place, it was beautiful. You could go out on the rocks. We swam in, I think it was the thing where it's like not the Mediterranean, but it's basically the Mediterranean, but it's like technically like, oh, what's the other one called? Is it called the Adriatic Sea or is that something totally different? I think it's the Adriatic Sea actually. Hold on. I'm going to Google real fast. Are you talking about like the Strait? No, I'm thinking of by Egypt. I'm on drugs. Um, yes, I think it's the Adriatic Sea. Okay, interesting. All right. Um, yeah, that's off Italy. So yeah, 
then it was like right on the Adriatic Sea, which, you know, connects to the Mediterranean is basically that. We swam a lot, had some really good food. And then I'm going to mess up the order for the rest of the trip. And I even think we went to the Cinque Terre after like another stop. But then we kind of did like the uh, tour of Italy. We kind of did, we went to Rome, we went to Florence. Um, then we went to Siena. Um, and we did a lot of like, you know, stopping at little places along the way. And I'm kind of bad at memorizing where I am, you know, like once I'm there, you know, I'm happy that I'm there and I kind of, I think I'm pretty good at figuring out like the layout of like the town or the place, you know, unless it's huge, but I'm kind of bad at picturing myself on a map, like in Italy, you know, figuring out where. And so then we did Italy for like the majority of the trip. And then we went up to uh, Paris for the last three days of the trip just because we wanted to go to Paris. I wanted to go to Paris. Um, and then it was a coincidence because then the next summer we did the French trip with this, or I did the French trip with the school, right. uh, which was a lot of fun for like different reasons, you know. But can I say for the record that I got, I got screwed over twice with the French trip, because as everybody, hopefully, for those of you that don't know, after my freshman year, I spent a year in Kansas, yeah. and um, since I went. You know, I spent my sophomore year in Kansas. I was not eligible or I didn't have time to sign up for the French trip when I came back. Uh, so I couldn't go on this French trip with Oliver. And on top of that, uh, in Kansas, there was a French trip that I could have gone on my junior year. But since I moved back But then back you were here, going back to Grand Forks. So yeah. inevitably, I there were two opportunities for me to go on a French trip. But I never went on anyone. You know, the thing that's too bad is uh, you kind of asked me about it because I was telling you like, oh, yeah, I'm finally signed up. I'm excited to go on the French trip. Uh, you talked to me and you were like, is it too late for me to sign up? Basically, or like, can I do it? So I went into Madame after school and I was like, hey, Madame, you remember Lucas, right? And she was like, oh, yeah, of course. Uh, and I was just like, now, you know, he moved to Kansas, but he was kind of asking me, like, could he go on the French trip? He's going to be back here next year. That was at the point where you guys weren't even telling people yet because you yeah. weren't that sure. Right. But I think it was because you knew you were coming back. as Like that was the thing that caused you to then ask me if you could go on the French Yeah. Because yep. you wouldn't even consider it before if you were going to stay in Exactly. Kansas. So I was kind of like, Madame, he hasn't told anyone yet, but he's probably coming back. So like now we can look at it. And then she was like, you know what? Like I would have allowed him to go on the French trip if I knew he was coming back. The problem was just that fees had already been paid mm-hmm. host families had already started getting assigned and like getting worked out right and there was just it was just too late but the thing that sucks is it's not just like oh because you were in kansas the thing is if like and of course you didn't know this and there's nothing you could have done but if you had three months or two months or yeah however course. maybe not even that long maybe just a month earlier said you were coming back you probably could have gotten signed up from kansas and then gone. yeah no i i mean obviously i it, you know, it sucks, but I'm not going to be, like, brokenhearted about it. Yeah. But it's unfortunate that, you know, I didn't get to do that. But anyway, tell us about your French trip. I've never lived with a host family. That sounds terrifying. Oh, yeah, it was terrifying. Um, Well, maybe let's just go chronologically. I kind of explained what I did on the um first trip, but maybe I'll just quickly kind of say my experience with it so then it'll make, like, chronological right. sense. So when I went on the this family Europe trip uh, summer after my freshman year. Um, we got to Prague, and, you know, I was terribly jet-lagged. Um, I had never really experienced that before. 
Um, so I was like, oh, I'm just tired when I got there the first day. Like I liked it. It was cool and it was warm and it like, you know, we were up at like, you know, Prague time. We're like walking around at like 6 a.m. and it felt like, you know, evening to me. Like right. I, I was all messed up. Um, but I was liking it. I was like, we were walking on this pretty bridge and we were looking at cool stuff. We took some pictures, you know, I was enjoying it. Um, but just because Prague is like, you know, such a like touristy place. It's like a city that like people kind of say is like almost like New York city in the way where it's like, doesn't really feel like, you know, the Czech Republic. It's like people come from all over the world. People come from different countries and go there. And it's like very, you know, tourist friendly, lots of English around, lots of other stuff. Okay. And it still felt cool. I still really liked it. I still like to be in the other place. Just Um, out of curiosity, what's the primary language that they spoke in, in Prague? Uh, whatever, I forget what it's called, but it's like the, like it's Czech. It's oh, Czech. it's called Czech, yeah. It's Czech? Okay. I think they spoke Czech in Prague. Okay, I was just curious. <laughs> um, no, yeah, we learned how to say a couple things. I've totally forgotten now, but we learned, you know, like, hello, and, you know, thank you, and whatever. Um, but that was completely unnecessary, because everyone spoke English, which is kind of my point. Like, it was nice, but I was kind of like, this whole time I was getting so excited for this Europe trip. I, cause at that point I never left the country besides Canada and I was getting so excited. And then I think a little bit, I was a little bit like let down cause I kind of hyped it up that it was going to be so different and so crazy and all this experience. And then when I was in Prague, I was having a good time, but it didn't really feel like any more special than New York city or Chicago, you know, like it just kind of felt like, Oh, I'm in a city and it's a little cooler cause it's a different country and there's different languages, but it's like, um, so I was a little bit like, oh, maybe Europe's really not that different after all. Maybe this won't be that special. But then, like, three days later, boom, when we got to Venice, oh, my gosh. It was <laughs> incredible. It was just immediately, like, blown away. It immediately felt so different. And Venice is, a, of course, a huge tourist attraction, right. attraction. But I was just felt so good to be in Venice. It was beautiful. Um weather was super nice. Uh, it got hotter as the trip went on, and that, that got rough. But... um yeah, we, uh, so it's called, like, um, St. Marco Plaza, I think. Okay. Um, it's kind of, like, the only kind of open area in Venice. So, right, Venice, of course, everyone knows, is all on water and with the canals and everything. Um, but, like, all the streets kind of feel, like, very small. Because they're not, like, for cars, right? They're yeah, like walking, of course. But you're kind of cramped in between buildings. You kind of can't, like look out over town right and like kind of tell where you are like in grand forks some some place if you're in an open spot you can kind of like almost see to the other end of town you know yeah like if you're on washington you're like oh yeah that's that's north that's south kind of thing um but there i you know you kind of could get lost really easily um but that was okay because the idea is if you just went out and explored you couldn't really get lost because it's an island you can't just like leave the island you know what i mean so it's like you, you can't really get lost. So um, we kind of explored a bit. And we were kind of walking down these, like, cr- um, kind of curvy little pathways. And then there's, like, this one just huge open spot, which is, like, St. Marco or m- uh-huh. something along those lines. Maybe I'm butchering it a little bit. Um, but it just completely opens up, and it's beautiful. And there's, like, pictures of it everywhere. And we got there at night to Venice, so it was kind of like we were kind of getting grumpy at each other. We had been walking around. We kind of got lost. We were lugging our suitcases through Venice. Um, we were sweaty. We were, you know, confused. We finally find, like, our apartment, you know, and it turns out Juliet got, like, sick when we got to Venice, and she wasn't feeling very well. 
Um, anyway, then we finally got, you know, a restaurant and it was super late. We were hungry. Then we ate. So it was kind of like a rough start to the Venice thing. I mean, we were pretty wowed, but then like we kind of walked around and then we just all of a sudden just opened up into this plaza and there was like live music. It was incredible music. It was like, you know, orchestra, like jazz, like, I don't even know. Like it was really good music going on. There were lights everywhere, tons of people just strolling around. And I was just like, oh my gosh, this is like a place I'd want to go. Like when I get like married, like, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Like, I feel like I could just like be in love and vent. Like, I don't know. It was all dramatic, but I was like, this is incredible. Right. It's wow. like fantasy like. Oh yeah. It, like I can't even describe the feeling exactly. I was just wowed. And I was like, this is what I thought Europe was going to be like. This is delivered a hundred percent. So in Venice was super fun. We went on a gondola ride, did the whole thing, you know? Right. Right. And then the rest of Italy was great. Um, but it, we were in the middle coincidentally we were in the middle of like the worst heat wave of the summer it was one of their hottest summers ever and we we're in like a terrible heat wave that they were literally calling heat wave lucifer i'm not kidding you a little dramatic and it was yeah. through italy and it was like i'm talking we were walking around rome and it was like 105 and like just straight sun on you so like that was kind of hard when we wanted to be out for like hours a day walking around rome walking around florence and stuff but yeah, it was a great trip. Uh, yeah, so do you want to touch on one of your trips? Um, Japan, Vietnam, what's... I think uh, I don't want to take up too much time just talking about my whole trip because I can go on for hours about how right. great it was. Yeah. I'll, I'll talk about getting to... Cause like, well, maybe, maybe it would be cool if you touched on just kind of like... Because I also didn't want to go through everything in the trip and right. do a detailed... Because uh, that's just not what this episode is going to be about. And I feel like that's not super exciting. But maybe if you do kind of like what I did and kind of like... The moment where you're like, whoa, I'm not in North Dakota anymore. My, We're not in Kansas anymore. No, my, uh, she, I, I hate that. Um, <laughs> no, we, okay, Oops, here's the thing is like, and this is, and this is going to sound maybe a little condescending if people take it the wrong way, but to have a place that's like, so like, like equally as, as quote-unquote developed. You know what I mean? Like, there's just these massive, sprawling cities, giant skyscrapers. It's the biggest metropolis in in the world. Tokyo is in Japan. Yeah, yeah. And for it to be, like, the same, like, on equal footing and better than, than, you know, Western, like, stereotypical Western cities and be so different and be, like, so vibrantly different it was fascinating to me because like you think how different can skyscrapers how different can like advertisements and place it be and it was just crazy yeah i really want to go to tokyo sometime it is so different i feel like it's like the closest thing we have to like a cyberpunk city it's beautiful there i would highly recommend it it's by def it's like the safest place like safest city in the world in terms of its crime rates I mean, there's petty theft, but that's not and, a big I deal. mean, COVID-wise, they, of course, they handled it really well in Japan because mm-hmm. people in Japan wear masks anyway. Like, yeah, they Not do. even during the pandemic, so. Because, like, obviously, you know, uh, there's, like, when you think of, like, places in, like, you think of these different cultures, right? You think that they, like, all have different buildings and different mm-hmm. everything, 
But Japan is just, it's, it's so similar, yet so different. It's exactly what I wanted out of, right. out of my trip to Japan. So when did you go to Japan again? Uh, sorry, I went to Japan um, in 2019, right before my senior year. Right. So, um, the summer after my junior year, just to specify. Right. Was it, this was the was it part of the same trip as the Vietnam trip? Yes. Yep. Okay, that's what I, I thought. I was just it trying was, to clarify. This was a big trip for my um, 18th birthday. Right. Because you know I'm a spoiled little boy. Yeah, all the tannies get 18th birthday trips. We got <laughs> for my 18th birthday. My parents were like, okay, see, they wanted to take me to Vietnam anyway. Because my grand, both my grandfathers actually fought in the Vietnam War, uh, and my mom and obviously my dad, they had taken a trip with a couple of my mom's sisters and my mom's dad out to Vietnam. They checked out some some places that my grandfather had fought at or been stationed at, and that kind of thing. And it was really interesting, and so they wanted us to take out there to get some perspective of what it was like being in a developing country. Because it's so interesting and so different there. Because, you know, obviously being spoiled North Dakota boys mm-hmm. and my sister, obviously, yeah. we we weren't really used to that. And so what we did was we first stopped in Japan because, you know, we might as well. And since it was my birthday, I got to choose where we, where we went. And so I chose Japan because I, you know. Because you're a weeb. I'm not, now, I, let me preface this by saying I'm not a weeb. Uh, I've never watched anime just because, you know, when I said that I wanted to go to Japan, all my siblings called me a weeb, which, but, like, but Japanese culture is just so interesting because it's so isolated, you know? Like, Jap- Japan is an island, uh, like, collection of islands has not been, is so disassociated from the rest of mm-hmm. the world that it's got such a unique culture. And so I was like, you know, let's just co- go and spend a couple of days in Japan. And so we went there. It was absolutely fascinating. The moment that I realized, you know, you were talking about the moment that you realized that this is this is different. That I was in, that I was in Japan. I wasn't in America. Was actually I got like we we were descending from the plane. Like it was this early into the trip, and I just like everything like like they were growing rice, and there mm. were just these rice patties everywhere, and it was like a very vibrant green, and I was like this. Like you've you've taken a plane obviously across the Midwest. Everything mm-hmm. is different shades of gray and brown and, and Oh yeah. I kinda hate that. When you're up in the plane and you look down above the Midwest and when you're that high up, you just see like patches of land. Like why does it look like that? Why are there like distinct patches of color? You know what I mean? And, and they're always like it's like, not this like beautiful like mixing like greens and different yellows and whatever. It's like patch of green, patch of darker green patch of brown like why is it in those weird shapes it will that's i don't know i'm sure it's for like agricultural yeah it's like agriculture stuff and that's fine but like it was just so like refreshing because like we went like we descended in the plane and i just saw like like the green like the the rice like patties were were such a different like shade of green it was like so bright and colorful and all the water was like you know that like stereotypical like like pale blue that's like reminiscent of like perfect beach water or whatever that's what it looked mm-hmm. like and i was like holy shit this looks awesome and then we got down uh, onto the and then we got down onto the runway and uh all of the planes just like they had like one of them was like had this crazy like cat like or it was painted like a cat and there was one that was painted like a shark and i was like what is this <laughs> i just thought it was hilarious and like everything was so fascinating like you said when you went to europe Mm -hmm. plenty of people spoke english i don't think i talked 
I talked to one English speaker in Japan. Well, yeah, once well, that was in Prague. Of once course, once yeah. I got to Italy, um, there was a lot more Italian I was hearing. I was speaking a lot more Italian myself. Oh, really? Well, just, you know, basic things. But yeah. I, was, I was trying to learn, and uh, it was kind of seen as, like, you know, polite and respectful right. to other people to speak Italian. And then when I got to France, I could use some of my French I knew from French class and uh, whatever like that. Um, oops, God, I got to watch my hands. I just whacked my microphone. Um, but yeah, uh, it was, it was nice to have people not just speaking English to me and yeah. like, yeah, I'm sure it felt the same. For oh, you. it's, it's so interesting. It's jarring. Like I, like obviously we've lived in like, you've lived in North Dakota your whole life. I've lived in America my whole life to hear like just all around me, no English is just crazy. Like that whole, like just that. It's a good feeling. It's it. Yeah. It was refreshing. But in a, in a different way, it was so, so isolating in a weird way. Because, like, obviously I wasn't, like, feeling, like, attacked or whatever, singled out. They've seen tourists before mm-hmm. in Japan. But for to have everybody, like, speaking a different language and living their lives completely, like, independent of of me or my English or my Westernness, it was so interesting. I, like, found it deeply fascinating. Yeah. And, and then, obviously, no, you said you went during a heat wave. I also went to Japan during monsoon season, which I guess near the near the equator is mm-hmm. the equivalent of of summer, because it's really hot and humid and disgusting. And so it was like seventy, no, it was like ninety degrees, and me and my dad both had like massive pit stains. It was disgusting. Yeah, I'm sure. And so, um, yeah, but what we did was we when we spent what we did primarily in Tokyo was the first day, we actually went and met this very nice lady named. Uh, her name was Mayuki, and she taught us. We went and we learned how to make sushi. Mm-hmm. Was what we did on the first day, and she was the only English speaker I met. She was a very nice lady. She had been to America, I think, twice before that, and so she taught us sushi. It was great. It I was love a lot of sushi, fun. man. Sushi was so good, but Japanese sushi is definitely very jarring. Yeah. Uh, have you ever heard of? I doubt you have, but have you ever heard of like conveyor belt sushi? Well, there's that. Uh episode of uh drake and josh yes yes exactly you know what i'm talking about no i know what you're talking about where they have to start throwing the sushi at the ceiling because it's going too fast exactly i love that so what happened was the first night i was really excited so we went to a conveyor belt sushi place and so what they have is they have these like like little ipad like things up they have like Mm -hmm. and then you place your order and then it's like it'll be here in so and so seconds and then like all of a sudden you're and then like Mm -hmm. your sushi was you're supposed to grab it it was so cute i loved it um have you heard of a YouTuber named Nick Robinson? I have not. Well, okay, that's my recommendation for this episode then because Nick Robinson, fantastic YouTuber, makes the best content ever. Um, he does a lot with, like, video games, but he doesn't, like, play video games, right? It's, like, these, like, video documentaries on, like, video games and video game-related things. Um, and he's got this very, like, niche uh, opinion and, you know, experience with video games and, like, certain games that he's played a lot of um but a lot of the and uh, but he has videos that aren't about video games at all that are just you know really interesting video documentaries Mm -hmm. um you know he did like a what happens if i you know go like however long without like ever seeing the time you know and like different stuff anyway one of like the memes on his channel is he loves japan and like one of the things is like lots of things that he ends up, you know, talking about or discussing or doing the video on have to do with Japan somehow. So 
One was about the Hatsune Miku uh, Domino's app, um, which <laughs> is very like niche. And there's like there's just this funny video with like the president of Domino's Japan, Domino's Pizza Japan. Right. Yeah. Um, explaining that you can you know order pizza from Hatsune Miku, and Hatsune Miku is this like, um, like fake uh Japanese, you know, cartoon anime character who like was like would sing, if you know what I mean. Like it was like I don't know. I can't explain it very well. Um but the meme on his channel is he would always go, so I have nothing left to do. Uh and I couldn't figure out any more information. So I did what I had to do and I booked a ticket to Japan. Right. Probably in like eight different videos he books a ticket to Japan just for that very specific thing. And one was getting a detective Pikachu sticker. Oh, <laughs> uh, like he had to get like an original sticker and like all of the videos he like either comes really close or somehow succeeds in his goal you know like in that one he goes to the Domino's uh Japan's like center in Tokyo and you know talks to the CEO or like leaves a message or like puts something in there that stays in like it's just really good stuff mm-hmm. and that made me think of that for yeah, you yeah no I thing. I'll definitely check it out I mean I mean, it, obviously, there's a certain stigma about talking about Japan in America because really the only people that are super passionate about Japan typically are weebs. No, but this guy's so cool. Yeah, you know, and yeah, he's exactly. not socially awkward at all or anything. You know what I mean? Yeah. I just feel like that's one of the common. But but yeah, exactly. There's so much about Japan that's really interesting that yeah. we're exposed to in America that like we don't get. Like you don't know a whole lot about like about like the Khmer Empire or like the the Khmer people because we don't get that kind of exposure like we do with with Japan. You know, I have heard of that empire. You know how? Really? Uh the video um that everyone watched by like Bill Wirtz, uh the history of the entire oh, yeah. world ever or whatever it's called. Right. Um there's one joke. I've watched that video a number of times because I think it's very entertaining. Um you know, it's the one with like all that music in it, you know. Yeah, no, I know what you're talking about. Laser and like, you know, all this other stuff. And there's this one part where he talks about the come here and he goes, come here. And he like makes a joke that oh, like, I don't know yeah, yeah, exactly yeah, yeah. how it went. But. but exactly. Like we don't get that kind of exposure, but Japan is just obviously so different and unique. Mm-hmm. And, and it's sort of like this really interesting, like different place. That's not even, it's like the, the definition of not Western culture. You know yeah. what I mean? Like modern Western culture in quotations. But anyway, my trip. So the big thing we did, like the big thing that everyone was excited for, well, everyone meaning my dad, me, and Joel, was we were going to climb Mount Fuji. And this thing was a logistical fucking nightmare because (laughs) uh, Mount Fuji is not close to Japan or not close to Tokyo. Some people think that. It's not. It's a bitch to get to. So what we had to do is we had to take the train. We had to take the train out the night before, and we stayed the night in a hotel. And then the next day... We took a bus up to now. There's two different routes for um. There's two different routes for for climbing Mount Fuji, or two different starting points. There's a part like halfway up the mountain that most people take, which is like you know it it's got like it's before it starts getting really steep and things like that. And then there's the base, which is like you know an extra. It's an extra like thousand. It's like an extra mile or kilometer, I guess down. Uh, so what we did was we went to like, you know, the basic, like sort of touristy entrance point. And now, uh, at the beginning we were given the opportunity to buy these staffs 
and they're really interesting because what happens is as you go up, you can pay some money, and you will uh, and they'll stamp like they have these uh, like kind of like you know cattle prods mm-hmm. or like what do they call them like cattle brands, and they'll like stick them into the wood and it'll leave a mark. And so what what we would do is as we went up, we kept buying these things, and it took us like I think it took us six hours to climb all of Mount Fuji. Yeah. And I've seen the pictures from that. And it was it was an adventure. Um definitely I would say you you've heard of altitude sickness. Mm-hmm. Uh I did not think the altitude would have as big of an effect on me as as it did. Uh by the time every step was just like it was it was very labored. I mean I there never got to the point where I was like like done done, but it got to the point where I was like all right, let's take a couple breaks. And like my my mom and my two younger siblings were definitely ready to be done like halfway up. They're like, right. let's go back down. We're like, we can't go back down. Yeah, the, of course. The, of course. There's a, there's a down, there's a way down, but it's like, you have to get to the top first. Yeah. So basically we climbed for six hours. My family like was tearing each other at the throat. And then, and then we finally got to the top and, uh, it was so cool up there. Like it was beautiful. Uh, there was like a little volcanic like divot area that we could check out. There was there was plenty of like restaurants and stuff up there. Like people live up there during the season, which is really fascinating to me. And they like like have these like little trinkets like, ooh, look at you made the top of Mount Fuji or whatever. And there was a ramen place up there. And I had the best ramen of my life ooh, on the top ooh, of Mount ooh. Fuji. And it was so Baby. good. It was great. I was so accomplished. I was like, look at me. I climbed Mount fucking Fuji. Yeah. And I have all these pictures, and I have this staff, and I feel like a grown-ass man. You know, I'm mad at you because now I just – you made me realize that I'm hungry right now. <laughs> well, just think about how good that damn ramen was. All yeah. right. And yeah. so we climbed back down, and um, my my dad was sort of anxious because we we taken longer to get up than we had expected. And so we only had, like, we had to get down in less than half of the time that it took for us to get up there. So what we did was we, like, we went down, and me and my just family roll. were just running down the hill. Just rolling. Really. I wish <laughs> if I didn't, if I was worried about dying, right. but we, we cruised down, we got down the mountain in two hours. So we cut five hours off of our time. Yeah. And obviously there's a different route uh, down than up. Mm-hmm. It's definitely less scenic. It's designed like here. It's like just like a like back and forth saw pattern down the hill just so you can get down faster. Right. And we got down at a good time because it started to rain. Oh, but, good, um, but yeah, that was my time. In, pretty much that was it for Japan. We had one day where we went shopping and we checked out some stuff. Um, there's this district notorious. Like, you know... If you're in most of Japan, it's just sort of like New York City-esque, like lights and advertisements and food and interesting stuff. Mm-hmm. But if you want to see all the weeb shit, you go to Akihabara, all right? Okay. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to take a bullet. I'm going to say, just for the sake of it, that we as a family should go to Akihabara just to check it out, you know? So then, well, well partially that and partially because there was some like some video game stuff I wanted to get. And there was a couple stores there. And so we did was we, we uh, took the train down there and we got out and the first thing we saw was this girl in a maid costume and I went ah, 
I'm never hearing the end of this. And so we got out of the train and, 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 uh, like there were all sorts of like girls advertising made cafes and there were all these like 50 year old Japanese businessmen just walking around having a good time. And there was all sorts of anime stuff. And I was like, yep, this is what, this is what I wanted to show my family is just the weirdness of some of Japanese culture. And we walked around, there was like, uh, there was a bunch of arcades we went and checked out that were really interesting. And, um, and yeah, I got a picture of my dad with an anime pin. Oh yeah. Which I've I've showed you. Yeah. Yeah, That was in an arcade and I thought that was hilarious. That's one of my most, uh, that's one of my favorite pictures. And there's all sorts of like, apparently Sega is really big there still, Mm -hmm. but yeah, so they, so they have all sorts of stuff that, um, that we checked out there, despite the fact that I was really embarrassed. And so we, we, we only checked out like three or so districts in, in Tokyo. We didn't even get to check out all the, all the cool places, but, but yeah, no, then, then we went to Vietnam, which was a completely different experience. And, and Vietnam was, like I said earlier, still a developing country. Uh, and it was actually really interesting because, uh, not many people know this obviously, but, um, because of the Vietnam War, uh, the Vietnam War, or the, sorry, not the Vietnam War, uh, Vietnam is a, uh, communist country, and so they have, like, um, they have, like, a totalitarian regime, and, and you can't speak badly about Ho Chi Minh, or any of the government officials, or anything like that, and it was, so it was really interesting to, like, go down the street and see like a bunch of armed military guys with, with assault rifles just chilling out. And, um, but yeah, it was really interesting. And I'm just going to touch on a couple of things that I found really interesting about, about Vietnam. One of them being, uh, one of them being how like, like obviously they're like every other place on the planet. There's places that you could go that have set prices or whatever. Like I, I'd have to pay a certain amount of money for like food or whatever. But there were there were these places called like they were just called markets that me and my family went to. That was really interesting because we could just sit there and or we could go all around and we would see. We would like like ooh, I like that bamboo cone. How much it costs? And they're like oh, uh three hundred thousand uh three hundred three hundred thousand dong. And we went, yeah, okay, I'll give you 50,000 dong for it. And so then you would haggle. And that was what everyone loved doing. Now, I'm going to admit here first that I was not a very good haggler. I primarily under the assumption that I had a lot of money. And um, I had a lot of money at my disposal. And I felt kind of bad because, like, I had all this money. And and really did, like, the difference of one or two dollars really matter to me. Like, in the long run, no. But, like, my brother Joel, Joel and Gabe were absolutely ruthless in this. And and I say this because, like, Gabe only had, like, $100 to spend in Vietnam. So he was counting every penny. He would haggle just to haggle. He would get a lady down from, like, 200,000 dong, which, I mean, doesn't mean much to you guys, but it's, like, I don't know, it's, like, $15 back then. From, like, $15 down to $1.50, and then he would just walk away because he was done haggling. He got his fun out of it. He was never going to buy that shirt. And mm-hmm. and that's sort of sadistic, but he just he just haggled just to haggle. And my brother Joel was even worse. Joel had all the money in the world, but he also had this feeling of superiority for having all this money. So he would be like, like, they would, like, you know, he'd be like, oh, a million yen or a million dong for these pairs for a pair of shoes, eh? 
He's like, that's cute. I'll give you a hundred thousand. And they're like, that doesn't make sense. And they're like, okay. And then walk away. And then, you know, obviously since we're, since we're uh, rich white tourists from the West, they try to get as much money out of us as possible. But, um, but Joel, Joel was absolutely unforgiving. Actually, there's a story where, where just, you know, because it was around Oliver's birthday, we decided to get him some gifts. Mm-hmm. And so what we did was we got him a bunch of knockoff Gucci stuff in Vietnam. It was a Supreme shirt. Uh, and it was a Gucci fanny pack, Gucci too. fanny pack. And then I, I came got, with that Gucci card. And then I got oh, the, hat. Gla- the hat and glasses. Didn't I get you glasses too? Yeah. Yeah. And so well, you had sunglasses for all of us. Right. Just cause. Yeah. And so I got, I got him all this knockoff stuff and the Gucci bag in particular, Joel got in such a fight with this one lady because she was like, she was charging me a little more than than was fair for the for the bag. She was charging me like may, maybe a hundred k dong more than I should have paid for. It. But I was like, you know what? It really doesn't matter to me. I was like, you know what? Fine. And then Joel's like, no, 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 no. Do not take this lady's crap. And then he asked for seventy five k yen or dong instead of instead of two hundred thousand. And she she flipped the fuck out at him. Like, she started yelling at him. She's like, it's not your money. Get away from him. And, like, everyone in this fucking market is looking at us. And Joel's like, it is my money, bitch. And so nice. Joel and so Joel was yelling at this lady. And I just, like, quietly paid for it and left afterwards. Because <laughs> I was embarrassed. I was embarrassed yeah, about this. And fair. so, so just so you know, the, the Gucci... Fanny pack I got you has a whole story behind it, and that's it. That's, that's ask, ask Joel about it sometime. He's he's, I'm sure in in his version he's the hero. But um, but yeah, I I actually have a question. Yeah. I have a pre prerequisite question. Yes. What is your biggest regret about what you like didn't get to do or see when you were in Europe? Um, I mean that's a good question, but I, you know, not to pretend like it was like an absolutely perfect trip, but. I wouldn't really say I have any regrets. I feel like any type of, like, unfulfillment is just like, oh, on another trip we should go do that. Because, you know, really we did a good job of doing, like, as much as we possibly could. And, you know, sometimes we were just, you know, really tired and, you know, decided, oh, you know what, let's cut back to the hotel now instead of going a little bit further. Right. And we were very against doing that too much, but every now and then it had to happen, and that that was fine. Um, But... And I was kind of like, you know, uh, you know, I really want to go back to the hotel. I'm so warm, whatever. But I was so worried, like, oh, this is what I'm going to regret about the trip. But really, I had a lot of Europe, you know, like we did a lot of stuff. And I'm not really thinking like, oh, you know what, like I oh, I missed out on so much and I was so lazy, you know, because we made sure that that wouldn't happen. Right, of course. So I feel like any type of thing that I still want out of Europe or still want out of a trip somewhere is just, you know, to see more different stuff. Not necessarily, you know, because I, I missed out. Okay. I, so I, I guess no regrets. I, really? <laughs> the reason I ask is because there's this one thing that I remember distinctly. So when we when we were there, my parents were set on us experiencing a lot of stuff from the Vietnam War. And one place we went was actually called, it used to be called, they changed it so since relations between the Vietnam and the U.S., got a little better. They used to call it the Museum of American War Atrocities. <laughs> and it was a museum... Uh, it's got to be chock full, huh? It was... I mean, to be fair, most of it was done by the our allies, the South Vietnamese. But we did do some pretty terrible shit. 
Oh, yeah, of, of course. course. But, like... Is anyone surprised? Like, Agent Orange and all this stuff that... It's really interesting. But we, but what we did was we went to the uh, Ho Chi Minh tunnels, which were a bunch of underground tunnels that, that the Viet Cong had in order to get around and attack American troops or whatever. And so what would happen was uh, we got to the end of it and there was this billboard or like a, a sign up. And I was like, what's this? And it had like all sorts of military grade machinery, right? Like, like big, fu- like fully automatic machine guns, just military rifles from back in the day. And it was like, you could buy rounds for these guns and fire them off. And I was like, that sounds like fun. I really like. I really wanted to do it just because it seemed like a blast. But we were short on time, and the bus was leaving soon. And I was like, oh, "All right, I guess I can't do that." And it's not like the biggest thing. Like it's not like I deeply regret that. But of all the things that I wish I could have done, like of all the opportunities that I had, that was one thing that I wish I could have done because that seems like just so much fun. Yeah. But I mean, obviously, there's so much I can talk about about Vietnam. Uh, like. Getting a tailor-made suit mm-hmm. was a really big two, thing. I got two. And yeah, and they look nice. Yeah. If I'm going to be honest, I'm too scared to try them on these days. Are you going to take them ballroom dancing? I might if if I get really into ballroom dancing. I've well, been kind of scared. That seems like the track you're on right now. I, if, I, if I lose my balls, then yes. <laughs> um, but I've been kind of scared to try them on because they're obviously tailor-made, and I've got a little bit chubbier because of COVID. So I'm hoping to lose some weight and try them on to feel good about myself. You know what I just realized? Hmm. Ballroom dancing is perfect for you because uh, you only have one ball. Okay, shut up. Ballroom dancing. Shut up. We're done having this conversation. If I were to join, it would be balls room dancing. God. <laughs> well, you sure do think you're funny, don't you? <laughs> okay. Anyway, if you want to feel like a king or a queen, if you want to feel like the ruler of the universe, go get a tailor-made suit. Because, like, like, at least in Vietnam, you have all these, like, all these very old, sweet Vietnamese ladies like running underneath your arms or whatever, taking measurements, and they're like, like, oh, this little, this little short or whatever. They all were very nice, and they're like, oh, and then like you just go out and you got this tailor made suit. And it's exactly how you ordered it. It's how you wanted it, and everything, and it's perfect. And you're like, ooh, magic, and it, you just feel like the the coolest guy on the planet. And I have a picture. I have Joel looking looking like hot shit coming out with his tailor made shorts, and so I think I think that might be the highlight of my dad is planning a trip back to Vietnam just to get more tailor made stuff. Oh yeah, not actually, but he's like, well, I mean, if we're going over, like Joel wants to go to New Zealand and Australia for his eighteenth birthday. He's like, well, if we're already going over there, we might as well take it. Oh, so he's take pulling it. on my mom. Yeah, it, it's just a hop, skip, and a uh, jump yeah, it's away. Just a little bit away. We like, might as well. I mean, I kind of get the logic with just going to countries because it kind of makes sense in like progression or like, yeah. But it didn't make sense with going driving to Pittsburgh. But hey, I was not complaining. Exactly, so. but yeah, no, that's that's pretty much my Vietnam story. I awesome. our Vietnam Vietnam trip. I really loved it. Vietnam is a great place. Uh, to go lots of very nice people I had no problems it was very exciting and obviously I can go on and on forever about how much fun I had there yeah. all the stories but those are the big ones awesome uh, so get into my uh, French trip really yeah, fast yeah. And, okay so um, there was no like profound moment like with the 
uh, trip the summer before, but this was, so it was with the school. Um, so it was, uh, our French teacher from central and then the French teacher from Red River, which is the other high school in Grand Forks. And then, um, we got this special extra Madame who was named Madame Deer, who, uh, I think is from Minneapolis. And, uh, she, uh, she was great. She was so nice. Um, but basically she knows France better than, uh, either of our teachers. Like they knew him well, but like, this was like almost a tour guide, another person, person to watch however many students we had. Um, cause it was like 18 kids, I think maybe. Um, so they just want a little extra help. She was awesome. But, uh, basically the trip was we start, we started in the South of France. So we started around Nice. We went to Nice, like pretty much the second day or, you know, and again, I'm very guilty of this is I didn't really know where I was when I was there. Like I was somewhere in France. I generally knew what area kind of, but so many people still like, remember like the, so many people remember the name of like the place we were at quite often. And I just don't really. Um, but anyway, we started off in Nice and that was great. We were right on the water and we got some really good pizza. And I, I mean, I was mostly hanging out with my really good friend, John, um, shout out to John. Um, (laughs) but it was, it was me, John, and then, uh, this kid named Aiden from Red River. So the other high school, and we were the only three boys, which was fine. Um, but yeah, it was just so many good memories. Like I would say technically I would think I, I liked Italy better than France just as a whole. And I think my family was a little bit more effective in making, you know, uh, tailor again, tailor made to us kind of schedule what we wanted to see, what we wanted to do. Um, my parents had been to Italy before they went on like a trip quite a while ago. So, um, like when I was really little, uh, they left us at home and my grandparents took care of us. Um, they went to Italy. Uh, but, uh, yeah, it was, it was, still so fun, but for different reasons than the first trip. Like it was still so great to see everything. It was still so great to be in a different culture. It was great to, uh, speak more French. Um, but it was like a lot of the best times was just hanging out with John, going different places with friends. You know, it wasn't just John who was my friend. I had quite a few friends on the trip. I got really close with some people who I had never met before from Red River. Uh, one in particular, her name was Caitlin. Uh, we just all got along really well. Um, we kind of called ourselves the fam, our kind of group of four people. It was right. uh, Julia, John, and uh, Caitlin. And we, we went, you know, in Paris. It was so great. We went everywhere together. You know, we took building like, pictures on the top of things. And I, I really enjoyed the amount of freedom we were able to get even for, like, a school trip. It was it was really nice. Um, but the really scary <laughs> Oh my God, you just sneezed directly into your microphone. Um, anyway, favorite, uh, I mean, one of like the biggest parts of the trip was that we were, had to do a host family. So like the setup of the trip was South of France at the beginning and then host family, um, in the Aix-en-Provence area. And it could like host families were really spread out. They weren't necessarily all in the same exact place. Um, but they were very spread out. Uh, host family for five days in the middle of the trip and then bus ride up to Paris for the last leg of the trip. And um, I was so anxious for my host family. Like I had kind of been in communications with my host brother. His name was Matisse. 
Um, we had been in commu- communication before, but I was so stressed. And I think they all kind of thought I could speak more French than I could. Um, but I have a funny story. We were in the bus ride there and I was freaking out and everyone was kind of freaking out and everyone was all hyped out. Like we had our own bus, us kids. So it was just us on the bus and everyone was kind of yelling and being all excited. I was just, you know, trying my best to stay calm, but I was so anxious. It was so bad. And then as like we parked and they're like, okay, you're here. Like go out and meet your host family. I just got hit with an extra wave of just like pure fear. Um, and I just was like, oh my God, I'm going to throw up. So we all started going you know, like single filing off the bus. Cause that was like the only way to do it. And I just realized like, oh my God, I'm going to throw up. And I like push people out of my way. Cause I was like, I'm going to throw up on people. So I got out and then I just threw up on the floor in front of everybody. Everyone watched me. And I actually got some throw up on uh, somebody else's shoe who was uh, on the trip with us. And Sorry again. Just, um, just out of curiosity, did your host family see you throw up? I think I was uh, protected from the bus by like the bus, but then what I did was then like I got some water, or, like maybe uh, Madame handed me like a little napkin she had in her purse or something, right? And kind of told me to like go clean up. So I was able to like walk over to like a trash can, and I think in everyone else was meeting their host family. At the time, I was kind of walking off by myself to go kind of take care of my situation. So I think my family kind of knew there was something up. Um, but then anyway, it was, it was Matisse and his father. Um, and, you know, I said hi. I did the fair la bise. I kissed them on their cheeks, you know. Uh, did that whole thing. Um, and I was really nervous, but I kind of got better. And then I got in the car with them. And then we started kind of driving away. And then the first real thing they said to me, like the host dad, looks in his rear view mirror, looks at me in the back seat and then just says some French sentence super fast. And I have no idea what it is. That's scary. That is. Yeah. And this is a family I'm staying with for five days that I don't know much about. And I've only communicated with Matisse over Snapchat. Um, and I'm there and I was like, pardon. Like, I was just like, ask again, like, excusez-moi. Like I, I, I basically was like, Oh, I don't understand. Can you say it again? Basically. He said it again and just looked at me and he was like asking a question and I was just like, like, what do you say? So then I, I basically was like, mon anglais n'est pas bon. (laughs) I basically just like, was like, I don't know what else to say. So I was just like, my English is not good in like, uh, probably not the best accent. I was still, sorry. I was still very nervous. Um, and he just kind of chuckled and then spoke to me in English. And then I was like, I'm going to do my best to speak in French. So I was still speaking in French to them when I could. Um, and they were speaking to French to me, like, but they slowed down. Um, but it was still very difficult and it was still very stressful. Oh, that's so scary. I know. I and I just thought imagine. about like living with them for five days, you know, showering, handling everything, eating with them. You know, what are their culture? Like what, what are their traditions? Like their family things. And it's like all kind of by this language barrier that isn't completely like, you know, impassable because I spoke some French and um, but then of course they spoke a lot of English so then they ended up you know for important things speaking a lot of English to me and to be honest I spoke more English back than I should have just because like it was just very difficult to make myself you know conjure up the French sentences and it was true I caught a lot more it helped me a lot with French if I like lived with them for like two months oh boy but anyway they were super nice super awesome people um, after like the second day I had kind of settled in and I was like happy to be there. 
I got along with them. I kind of got their tradition. I, you know, I was actually talking with them at the table. I wasn't nervous. Their food was so good. <laughs> and it actually became a really good experience. And I shouldn't have thrown up beforehand and I shouldn't have stressed out about it. But it was awesome. I felt more like an adult, you know, like I was in a foreign country by myself, you know. And you survived. This. Yeah. Yeah. And then uh, on the last day, I was with my host family. They had this like huge family gathering picnic thing. And I had to fare la bise or, like, kiss their cheeks mm-hmm. to every single person there when I got there, like, three times. And I'm talking, like, 40 people. And then, like, when we left, I had to do it again. But they introduced me to some people who spoke, you know, less good English, less good, you know, whatever. But, like, I talked to, like, a lot of people, and I was just brave, and I was proud of myself. So that was a great experience. Love that. I could talk forever about my host family experience. No, that's good. I, that's one thing I really didn't get on my on my trip was yeah. I, I got, like, no language experience. I just kind of accepted if I can't speak, if they can't speak English, there's going to be not a whole lot of communication. Right. And, I mean, again, like, I was not the best in the world at speaking French. And, um, you know, our teacher basically was like, you guys aren't really allowed to speak English. Like, you can do it if you're in a pinch, but, like, just make yourself speak French. And I'm, I broke the rules. I spoke more English probably than I should have. But, like, I really did. I tried to push myself. I spoke some French. I you know, they understood me every now and then. They didn't understand me every time um, just because sometimes I was kind of speaking with broken French. Um, but I would say out of everything in the trip, that was the most profound, like, experience that, you know, was beneficial and mm-hmm. was, you know, new for me. Um, right. But, I mean, the trip was so fun just with me and my, like, one of my best friends in the world, like, just booling in France, like, having yeah. a great time you know, rooming together in the hotels, doing tons of stuff, you know, talking to tons of people, just having these great experiences. I don't want to get too much into it, but I have one really funny story that I'll be quick uh, with. So we were in Paris. So right. we had just come off the host family leg of the trip, and we had done this really long bus ride from, like, basically s- southern France up to, like, the northern part where Paris is. Um, and we're in Paris, and this is, like, probably our second day or third day, or probably second night, in Paris, you know, somewhere around there. Right. And we're in this small hotel room, and at some of the hotel rooms, it was John and I shared a room, and Aiden got his own room, um, because, of course, they did, like, you know, only boys with boys and only girls with girls. Of course, yeah. But then in a couple places, and Paris was one of them, the, the hotels were big enough to do three people in a room. So it was me and Aiden and John all in one room. Right. And Aiden's, you know, a bit shy and doesn't know us all that well and didn't really, I mean, we got along with him, but like we didn't have quite the same type of energy, especially when John and I are together, we kind of make each other a bit crazier and whatever. (laughs) Anyway, we're in this Paris hotel room that's pretty small for three people and it's kind of cramped and it's, you know, hot and there's like barely any air conditioning. Um, and it, it had gotten to be nighttime, so it wasn't really that hot in the room, but it still could like get warm and feel kind of sticky in the room, you know, especially if people are moving around a bit and you're like, Oh God, like, you know, so anyway, it came up in conversation. I was talking to John and he was like, Hey, so I haven't like pooped this entire time since we've been in France. We had been in France for 10 days. (laughs) <laughs> or more. And I think then eventually he kind of revised that statement. It was like, okay, I pooped like near the beginning when we got to France, like once. But he was like, I was too scared to poop with my host family. Uh, sorry for throwing you under the bus, John, and telling this story. But he was like, I was too scared to poop at my food. 
at my host family's house because at that point I'd been holding it long enough or I just hadn't pooped in so long, I felt like I was definitely going to clog their toilet. So I just <laughs> wasn't going to do it. So it was like, I didn't poop for the five days I was at my host family's. And he was saying like that he had only like pooped once in France at all, I think, or like very few times. Like, you know, I'm a daily pooper, if I'm going to be honest, like at least once a day, probably twice, you know, probably yeah, sometimes think, it can think, even hit three, you know, I think we're good. Okay. So, but I was shocked at this. And John was like, bro, I got to do it. I just kind of like, was like, oh my God. So he's like sweaty and like, we're all warm. <laughs> we're like all kind of warm in this room, but he's like red in the face and sweaty. He's like, dude, I have to poop. I was like, okay, like go, go whatever. He's in the bathroom for 35 minutes. I'm not kidding you. And <laughs> I'm just kind of sitting on my bed on my phone. Aiden's on his phone. We're just kind of trying to relax. It was like late. It was like 11 something. You know, right. we had a big day. You know, we'd already been in our hotel room for a bit. And barely any AC, barely any air moving or whatever. And John's in there for forever. <laughs> and then eventually, like 30 some minutes later, he opens the door. Uh, and this bathroom is, you know, absolutely totally connected to this hotel room like this is a smaller hotel room than you'd think um and immediately aiden and i just got hit in the face with this like wave and i'm not even talking about the smell i'm talking about like it was humid humidity came out of the bathroom heat came out of the bathroom <laughs> like it was like the bathroom door opened and it got five degrees hotter <laughs> and, and john like shuffles out like waddles out and his face is so red and he's got sweat literally dripping <laughs> down his face. <laughs> and I've, he's in there for so long. And then uh, shortly following like the humidity and the heat that just smacks you in the face, like came this, you know, of course, not great smell. And it just like, the difference was it wasn't like such a terrible, terrible smell. You know, it was just like really gross and then mixed with just the heat and humidity and just grossness. It just made the entire, it felt muggy in that hotel room. Oh, yeah. It felt like heavy and, um, you know, um, it was not fun. So we start just like frantically opening the window and trying to like get air in and John's just laughing and we're like, signaling there was like a hotel room it was like this courtyard in the middle this outdoor courtyard yeah, that yeah, we were connected yeah, yeah. to and there were other kids we knew that were basically just across the way and a couple floors up and they somehow kind of saw us they were looking out the window or something and we were close with them and i'm trying to like not yell across the courtyard late at night at this hotel so we're trying to like mouth the fact like john took a shit and it smells terrible and we're dying <laughs> and it's this anyway that probably sounds like a terrible experience, but I mean, just that was the vibe. Like John and I just hanging out, having a great time, seeing incredible things. And John had never been on a plane ride before we went to France. Yeah, he was right. like one of the people. He had barely ever left like North Dakota, Minnesota. He had one time gone to Colorado and they drove. So like the, all the states he had been included the, like the states on the way to Colorado, right. but there was like nothing more than that. So it was like a very good experience for him. And I have story after story after story about that French trip. I mean, more stories from that French trip than my previous Europe trip the summer before just because it was, you know, with peers and mm -hmm. anyway. But uh, I thought I'd just tell that one story to kind of give you yeah. the vibe of like, you know, how fun it was and how relaxed we were and how good of a time we had. And, you know, I have some souvenirs and stuff, but man, I just do anything to go back with, like, the same group of people. Like, right. you know, and I mean, not everyone did I get along with super well. Some of the Red River girls, there were a couple people who just, you know, 
didn't rub me quite the right way, but um, it like overall it was an absolutely great experience. It was awesome. You really missed out, Lucas. I know. I, I hate to make I, you feel I bad, tried. but like, I tried. no, 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 it's not your fault. But I'm just saying, like, if you were there too, oh boy, it would have been would have been a blast. I mean, it was a blast, but yeah. Um, so for me, yeah. Anyway, here's to hoping that I'll have some good travel experiences. Do you think you're gonna study abroad? I, I actually yes, I have been. Um, I have gotten in contact with the study abroad office. Oh yeah, where actually? Do um, you, have you uh, kind of worked out a plan? I was looking at some options, and I could either spend a semester studying. Well, two of the main options. There are plenty of like shorter trips for like spring break or something, but two of the main options for me are Dublin and and Nice in France. Mm. So Nice is Nice would be a good pick. Um. So yeah. Uh, no, that's when a, is when is study abroad? I assume study abroad isn't happening right now with the pandemic. No, no. But uh, this is all like but that's, future. Planning. That's okay for me because most like most of these are required that I'm in my sophomore year. Later. Yeah, lots of people don't study abroad so, in their freshman year. So. I think I think the plan is to study abroad junior year. Uh, I think that'll be good for me. Yeah, I'll I, probably study abroad once I go to college. They have a lot of options. So my I, parents, my parents are hoping to use me studying abroad as a fantastic excuse to, to go travel. to Europe. Yeah. yeah. Um, but no, if you if you're you know years down the road you're like you know what I planned a trip, and you need a buddy to go. Let's in, have a bro trip, man. I would be so down. No for a girlfriends allowed. Bro. Exactly. Bros Glad we're on the same page. Okay. Yeah. No. Um. That's the thing. It's like sometimes when I think about you know the French trip, how great it was with the high school kids and you know my really good friends. Like sometimes I do worry like. Or not worry, but I kind of get sad about like, you know, high school's completely over. Like I'm never going to have that experience again. Right. And it's not like high school was all that special to me or anything. And I'm so excited for college. But, you know, the type of, you know, close friend, lived in the same town always, you know. Exactly. Vibe of like going off to this place. And like, gosh, I miss that French trip. And I, of course I can't have that specific trip over again. But yeah, we, try we, should, we should have a bro trip. Yeah, and, I'm down uh, for I'll a probably bro trip. study abroad. You know, just I can't wait for this pandemic to end, you know, and we of can. Of course. Because that's the thing. I love traveling and I love experiencing different cultures. Like I mentioned, like when I got to Venice and saw, you know, the plaza and like so many incredible things and so many different cool places in the world. And there are places outside of Europe and, you know, Italy and right. France. Like I want to go to Asia and I want to, you know, go to Africa and I want to go to South America. And um, but one of the things I love the most about traveling is I think like when you go with, you know, a really cool group of people whether it's you know my family who's a cool group of people for me or like you know or um like close friends from Mm -hmm. my high school so um i think that really makes it you know is having good memories with your friends yeah who they might be and strengthening relationships and you know seeing cool things together yeah no i i'm i'm excited to study abroad and i'm i'm hoping that in the future i get a couple of really big trips in with my boys yeah you know that's the plan but yeah all right well i hope you enjoyed listening to us talk about travel we i hope sh- it didn't make any of you guys too sad that we travel certainly had option. a lot of fun um yeah and i think it was a good nice lighthearted conversation and we didn't want to get too into the details of all of our trip because it would just be too long um but we can again revisit this in a different episode because I have story upon story upon story. Always, always more so, stories um, both of us. Hope you enjoyed. Uh, hope you know, this episode sounded all right and it was a good length and people enjoyed listening. Um, again, this was like pre-recorded 
earlier than we normally do. So yeah, apologies and for that. And next episode will be as well. We're going to record it right now, back to back. <laughs> um, but thank you all for listening. Um, and hope you have a great rest of your day. Peace. Peace.